to the KDB Review Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Davis, and this is episode 12 of season four. I hope you all enjoyed the long bank holiday weekend. Did you know that Sir John Lubbock introduced the Bank Holidays Act in 1871, bringing in the idea of paid public holidays? Yeah, there you go. He also wrote a book in 1882 called Ants, Bees and Wasps, so he was always sticking up for the workers. In this episode of the show, we're getting down to some nitty-gritty ourselves and looking at the most fundamental part of retailing, running a sale or promotion. When do you do it? How do you do it? What gets the best results? How do you plan it? And everything else in between is all being discussed in this step-by-step guide with KBB retail consultant Paul De Silva. There's loads of little validations, insight, hints, tips and advice in here, so definitely worth a listen, even if you think you know it all. But first... KBB Review is, of course, the leading source of kitchen and bathroom industry news, opinions, interviews, analysis, products, and cute dogs in showrooms. But do you get our email newsletter? It goes out twice a week, and it's totally free to subscribe to, and you'll get it all delivered straight to your inbox. All you need to do is go to kbbreview.com and click on subscribe. So, you're a retailer, you want to run a promotion, you want to run a sale, what should you be thinking about to make the most of it? Down the line, to give us all the top tips, we have top KBB consultant, Paul De Silva. Hello, Paul. Morning, how are we doing? We're doing very, very well, thank you. I'm actually in the office today, I'm in the booth, if I sound a bit different, that's why. Now, people will, I'm sure, recognise your name, Paul, from the many columns you've written for KBB Review, so it's very remiss of me, if I'm honest, to not have you on here before now, but... We are going to talk about a cracking subject that is a fundamental part of any retailing, let alone KBB, and that's running a sale or promotion. And what you've done is put together some top tips for us based really around five core areas that people should be thinking about. But I think before we jump into that detail, is the first step of a sale to really define what it is you actually want to achieve by doing it? Because that's the only way you you can measure whether it's actually worked or not. Yeah, and I think it's more... What do you want to achieve? Do you want to clear some stock? Have you got a stockpile at the back where you think, I've got 20 ovens here, I'm going to put a sale on them? Do you need to increase the profile of the business and you want to get more people through the door, more traffic? And is it just part of a longer-term strategy? So is this going to be every year? And I'll, I'll go back to when I was at MFI. January was a sale month. It extended into February and we came out in March, just did the offers and then went back in in April. And that was pretty much, and most of the retailers are saying, they have a set plan of, that this is going to be a never ending sale as the joke used to go with MFI, it was always odd. So it's just a case of, are you using it for stock clearance or is this part of your strategy going forward? This is always what you're going to do and the, the customers will know that. Yes, and that's true, isn't it? I suppose it's about whether it's specific financial or numerical targets you want to hit, or whether this is basically an overall marketing exercise to raise awareness of the brand. Yeah, I've seen sales work in in different ways, but I think generally where it works better is when there's some momentum with it. So people know there is a sale coming, and people will know that January is coming. I mean, I started selling in the 90s where Boxing Day at MFI, you would have 50 people, 60 people outside the door on Boxing Day because they just knew there was a sale because it was being heavily advertised. In the end, we wouldn't really need to do any advertising. It just became what we did. Tips are making it sharp and making it fresh and current because people can get sale fatigue, as I think people like DFS have proved. And then there's a little bit of, is it genuinely a sale? Is this really what's happening? So it's just about doing it right when you are doing it and knowing the the strategy before you actually start anything, when you put pen to paper in a room of what do we want from this? 
what are the top three goals we need out of this? Whether it's an increased distribution list, you need more names and addresses and phone numbers for a database, or is it just to make money? Is it just we want to put some money in the till? Yeah, which is absolutely correct, of course. So let's assume people have done that exercise already. Let's jump into our top five list here. And the first one you've got is customers, which is, sounds very obvious. And I think the the guidance here, I suspect, is that a lot of retailers would just assume they know their customers, so don't really need to think about it that well. I suspect what you're thinking is, no, you've really got to think about who this sale is for. Yeah, I'll kind of put it down as three three categories. First of all, is like the quantity. Are you just going to go after everyone or are you going to target a set demographic? Are you going to target a set age group? Are you going to target more trades people than, than retail customers? Are you just going to go after the kind of larger retail customers? Your point of sale and your strategy, a lot of the times, is what you put in the window. So are you after the £3,000 and less customer? Are you going after them? In that case, everything needs to be get a kitchen for 2995 these eight units and that sort of thing. Are you going for the bigger fifteen, twenty thousand pound customer or bigger, depending on the size you are? In that case, you're advertising appliances in the window, bigger range cookers, and work out who am I actually going after here? It's a how to contact as well. You've got your database, you know who you're going after. There's so many mediums, telephone, email, text message, social media, print advertising. Again, back to the demographic that you're going after. 20, 30 something, you're probably looking more Instagram, Twitter, social media. Are you going after older demographic? Then you might be looking at print advertising, email. So it all follows through from from your initial, who are we going after? And this is how we're going to get after them. And I've worked with social media. We've sent flyers out. We've put advertising in the local newspapers. But as retailers, you know what brings customers into your particular showroom. So when you're planning your campaign and planning your sale, is sitting down and going, right, when the customer comes in the shop, where do they come from? So when, when you speak to them, oh, we saw you in the local paper, you'd put an advert in there. And if that happens a lot, then that's obviously where you need to maintain your focus. If a lot of customers are saying you've been posting a lot of previous projects on Instagram, that's where you need to put your money. And there's so much ability these days to push on social media and getting yourself in front of the right people. Even things like Facebook, it's what demographic do you want to go for? What age group are you looking for? What keywords? you want to put in the data's there and it's available and combined with the capabilities of marketing these days and the data that you've got in your shop it's a great opportunity to get that out is a big part of this paul are you going for new customers or are you trying is the promotion aimed at customers that have used you before that you might be trying to sell on to so for example someone's bought a kitchen from you and you want to send them information about bathrooms that data is obviously existing customers versus brand new customers yeah you've got the two it's it, whether you want to increase footfall if you've sold a kitchen to someone and things have gone well then you've definitely got a campaign if you sell fitted bedrooms bathrooms there's definitely a campaign piece to be had around that a sale for me is all about raising the brand and the awareness of the shop if i was running it if i had my own showroom Things like recommend a friend or if you've had your kitchen done, we'll, we'll take 10% off your bathroom. A lot of that can be done in the back office because some shops haven't got massive windows. So what you don't want to be doing is wasting recommend a friend in the window, £25 or £100 if you recommend somebody you know, because you've kind of already got that data and you kind of, you've got the contact details for these people. The sale and what you're advertising is really driving footfall into the shop. The point of the sale is almost not to sell the products. The point of, the, of advertising the sale is to get people inside your business. And then you can work your magic. You get your 
kitchen designers involved and you start selling the dream from them. You're selling you, you're selling your showroom, you're selling your services that you can offer. The whole point of advertising the sale is to get somebody inside your shop. Yeah, I guess this does lead us on to point number two on our list here, which is marketing. And again, knowing who you want to market to is a big part of it, as you said, but sales are useless if no one knows that it's happening. So what are the key considerations here in terms of the messages that you need to to put out? What works and what doesn't? Of every one thing I've done that's worked, I could give you 99 things that I've tried that haven't worked. I've done a lot of trade days in the past with trade kitchen companies and people do one and they go, only two people turned up, so we're not going to do them again. But these things build momentum. And when we look at running a regular sale, you've got to be persistent with it. You've got to stick with it. And again, it's getting everybody aware of your shop, what you can do and what you sell and the services that will come with that. So when I looked at marketing, we kind of put it into three main categories. So it was branch activity, digital assets, and head office support. Now, head office support was obviously if it was a big organization, but you'd be looking for head office support with things like, were they going to put a radio advertisement together? If it was a national campaign, what were they doing? Radio, was there a national newspaper campaign going on? Generally, head offices had the opportunity to text message or blanket email everybody. So it was that sort of support you were needed. And also, you kind of look at a lot of retailers and trade people now. You've got a promotional, a little eight-page flyer, little newspaper that sits on top of the counter when you walk in or in, into, the, into the showroom, into the, the brochure holders, just with a few selected products of what's on special, what's, what's this sales special offers. And it's important for commercial to work with the the shops and the people who are selling the product to understand what people want in the shops and what you've been asked for. And I've seen some great examples of partnerships. And I've also seen poor examples of partnerships where commercial might just go and do something and then it arrives in your shop and you think, it's not what I wanted at all. That somebody's made a decision who hasn't been in the shop for six months. So it's just about getting that right support from head office. So digital assets is all about, again, social media. Uh, what can you do to, to advertise this sale, to market the sale? TikTok's becoming very popular now. I've seen more and more people on TikTok. Things like Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn. Your reach is so wide now. And you can really get to places where you couldn't do before. I, I grew up in, in Redditch in the, uh, in the Midlands. If I had a shop in Redditch, I'd put it in the Redditch advertiser back in the day. And I'd have to rely on people walking past the showroom or seeing it in the newspaper. Now, it's worldwide. Everyone, I'm not saying everyone's going to fly, fly into Redditch just to buy a kitchen, but it's it's one of these opportunities where the reach is, is, is endless, where you can get to. So it's just a case of looking at the digital assets, working out where to put your money if you need to put it into Google ads, Facebook ads, and where you can get the best return for your investment. And how do you feel about actual messaging, though? Sale now on, 50% off, come and see our latest deals. What do you think the messaging should be? What kind of language works best? I'm a very simple man. Uh, So a big sale banner or a big 50% off in red with white writing, I don't think you can get better than that. I went round a local high street a few months back, and I think some companies are getting very clever with different colours on their banners. They're trying to get very tactical and arty, and it's all very nice. But I just I sometimes think at some point we're losing the initial message of what we're trying to get across here. And in major high street chains where I've looked at their sale banners, and I go, I'd actually have to work out there was a sale on there because the banner isn't slapping me in the face and saying, you've got a sale on. 
I had this discussion to a forum group a few weeks back because I said, is red the right colour for a sale? And people said, the only problem is it looks like closing day and sale, which is a fair point, I'm, I'm thinking. But the bigger that we make the word sale, the bigger you make the word 50% off. And once people are in the shop, then you have the conversations. But I don't think it needs to be that complicated. We don't need to get technical with it. It's just making it as bold and as eye-catching. When you're walking down a high street, you, you need it to catch your eye. And I think I think that's the answer to that. It's very difficult, isn't it? Because I suppose if you're operating a very sophisticated studio selling you know expensive stuff, uh, you don't want it to look like a DFS or an MFI, do you? I suppose that's the train of thought, is how do you do it in keeping with the style or the scope or the level of your business? Yeah, and I think it goes back to, to, to what we said at the start about the positioning. What are you trying to get out of this sale? What is the reason? If I ran a kitchen show and I wanted people in the branch, I would go with a 50% off. If I wanted more higher-end customers, 30,000, 20,000, 30,000 plus, I might not go for a big 50% banner, but there needs to be a bold message there somewhere. Sometimes we kind of we look down on sales a little bit. When I speak to people going around, and I've got friends who, who, who now run massively successful kitchen showrooms, and I say, are you having a, a, a sale? Oh, no, I'm not doing a sale now. Then a few months down the line, they go, oh, things have gone really quiet. All right. Maybe you should have had a sale or maybe have a sale now. I think what we need to not lose sight of is don't be too proud to have point of sale in your window saying that there's a sale on because everybody has a sale on. Even the most expensive shops in the country will have a sale on at some point. There'll be some sort of promotion. But whatever that, whether it's a sale, whether it's a promotion, whether it's giving something away free if you buy something, but that needs to be eye-catching. It needs to be bold and in your face. Yeah, I suppose it's that idea that retail is retail, whether you're operating at, at the low end of the market or the very high end of the market, some principles just apply across the board. Yeah, it's it's to the same end, but the, the, just the average order value might be different. But people still like to think they're getting a sale. I went from MFI to B&Q. MFI was at sales on, and then I was a salesman there, did very well. I went to B&Q, where it was at the time, I don't know if you remember, around the year 2000, where it was everyday low prices. We won't do sales. We're just going to do a low price every day. And I thought when I went there, that's great. We're not going to have any more of this 50% off or offers off for two or more. But then what I found very quickly is the customers didn't like it because the customer brought in an MFI plan. I could be very close to the MFI's price or even sometimes a bit cheaper. And the customer would go, but MFI got a sale on. And you'd have to go, yeah, but, but I'm cheap. And they go back to MFI purely because there's a sale on. And psychologically, people think they're getting a better price or they think there's going to be some extra close deal there. So I think you've got the confidence and you've got the business, which I think a lot of showrooms have at the moment, to not have to discount everything and just keep doing what you're doing and absolutely do that. But I think everyone likes a bargain. Everyone likes to think they're getting a deal. I, I live in Nutsford. quite lucky to live here. It's quite an affluent area. About five years ago, Aldi came to Nutsford and everyone said, Nobody was shopping Aldi. It won't work in Nutsford. What are they thinking? On the first day of Aldi opening, the car park was absolutely packed. And it was Aston Martins, Bentley's, Range Rovers, and loads of other cars. But no matter who you are and how much money you've got, you like to be getting a bargain. You like to be getting a deal. And I think sometimes we lose sight of that. Yeah, it's a very human reaction, no matter who you are, isn't it? Right, let's go to number three here, which is uh, your product selection. What are you actually putting in the deal? How do you choose which products to use? Is it all of them? Is it some of them? What are you using? What's your advice here? Again, three barriers were historical sales data, supplier support, and high margin. If you're discounting a product 50%, you need to make sure you've got the margin there to support that. 
know occasionally there might be a lost leader or it might be something where you break even. So supply and support is, is massive for me. And I think we, what we don't do as retailers enough is go to these people and say, if I'm running a promotion, what can you give me to support me through this? Now, if you're an exclusive deal where you're working with them, you want to be saying to them, what can you give me? Can you support me with products for the customer? I want a extra warranty for free or I want a, a lean price on it. If I buy 20 of these ovens or dishwashers, what can you do for me here on price? But it's also getting them to support with staff. So many a time I've, I've been to an appliance supplier or a, or a worktop supplier and said, we want to run an incentive for the salespeople who sell your oven, your worktop. What can you give them? What can you put in place? And we'd have like a sales league or you'd have a 30 pound one off payment with every sale, but there's some sort of support from the suppliers. And that kind of then guided where I was pushing. And you need to look at what works well, what sold well in the past. So a great example was in a previous company, I sold a lot of ovens and hubs, but then I had a load of extractors in, in the warehouse and it, I needed to get rid of these. So then I suddenly did oven hub hood packs. We would do a package of all three appliances. And then suddenly all my, my extractors stock went down and I sold more ovens and hubs because I put these in a pack. So again, it's, it's making sure that you've looked at this. What do we want to get? Is this a product we want to clear? Have we just started on a new supplier? Have we just started a, a new brand? The wine coolers are very uh, popular at the moment. Are we starting to get the wine coolers in? So let's do a price on that. Let's speak to the guys at Kalo. Let's, let's see what they will do for us and let's push that in. Because the wine cooler might be a good thing to put in the window because, again, it will bring people into the shop. And that's, again, once they're in, then you start the sales process and start talking about everything else. But a sale might only be one product. It might only be a wine cooler. But it's what that leads to from there. Now, that leads on very nicely, of course, to the next bit on the list, which is clearly very closely related. And that's your stock. And I mean, that's always important, obviously, but that's more important than ever, given the current issues people have with availability and things right now. So what's your guidance around the stock itself? I mean, I, I would definitely at the moment be making sure that stock was there and ring fenced for me with the supplier. If you have the cash to buy it and store it, great. But I would definitely be trying to negotiate a deal where can I have these ring fenced? Are they there? Can I, could I come and put my hand on them? I've had my fingers burnt numerous times in the past where these eight-page promotional flyers get sent out from head office. And then by the time the promotion starts, there's no stock. So then the customer comes in with that and you have to say, actually, that's not there now. I can do you this or that. So what you end up doing is upgrading the customer to what was initially in the promotional piece and you're losing margin on it. So it's very dangerous advertising so that you actually haven't got or you don't know that coming in. I'd be saying to the customer, um, I've seen it done very well in the past, whereas if you're doing 10 dishwashers, the first 10 kitchen sales have a free dishwasher. Put that dishwasher in the middle of the showroom and then put 10 and then cross out and put nine and then keep that an updated tally on how many you've got left. Most customers are quite aware at the moment with the problems with stock everywhere, not just in, in the KBB world, but just saying, look, we have only got this amount of these dishwashers left. I can't guarantee once that's 10 have gone, I can't guarantee when number 11's coming in. It's a great kind of closing tool and it's a great selling tool. But yeah, make sure that you're not putting all your efforts into pushing a product that you're not quite sure you're even going to get. I mean, I think if you've got 10 dishwashers at the moment, Paul, you could, <laughs> you'd have every other retailer in the area coming down <laughs> and taking about the showroom of you. 
it's a big part of it, which does lead us on to to the last part of our list here, which is time. Yeah, and that obviously is how long should your promotion last? How often should you run them? But I think at the moment, because everyone's so very busy, firstly, and secondly, because of all these stock issues, I suppose there's an element of should you be running promotions at all at this time? Should you run promotions when you're very busy and demand is high anyway? I would definitely do something because I think there will be a time where things are quieter and you might look back at this time and think, I wish I'd done more data capture, customer capture. And what I hear a lot of in the KBB world at the moment, and this is from retail customers who walked into showrooms or whether it's showroom owners who went to the KBB show, people just not following up on inquiries because everyone's very busy and I'm looking for doing my kitchen at the moment. I'm going to do it later this year. And I've walked into some showrooms, left my details, and I haven't heard back. You have to chase people. That's great now. That's great when the, the place is busy and bustling and all these sales there and everyone's busy. But there's going to be a time when it's not. So what I would probably do is, because there's two things on time and a promotion, the length of the campaign and the frequency of the campaign. So are you going to run it for four weeks once a year? Are you going to run it for four times a year for just one week? So I think you just take the frequency down and the length of the campaign down and say, right, I'm just going to do January or I'm just going to do a month that's traditionally a bit quieter, perhaps later on in the year. But I just I just think you need to future proof the business. And I think not doing anything could be quite dangerous if then you sat around scratching saying, actually, where is everyone in 2024 when everyone's having their holidays and buying their cars again? It's a case of just future proofing your business a little bit and saying, right, okay. Let's try and build this pipeline still and and just keep our eye on that and just take that time out just to make sure that we've still got them customers coming in, the fresh inquiries are coming in. Recording the data and recording the information is is vital. How many inquiries did we have January this year compared to January last year compared to January the year before? How many surveys did we have in February this year compared to February last year compared to February the year before? How many sales did we do in April this year? Because it all feeds through. You can then see what works and what doesn't work. There's no point just doing a sale for sale's sake. You need that strategy and you need to know what it did for you. So when you come to play next year, actually two years ago we ran that and we got 20% more surveys than we did this year. So let's do what we did two years ago. I think a big part of this is about always examining and always uh, looking at every element of your business. No matter how long you've been running it, no matter how experienced you are, you can always learn something new of how to run it and how to do it. And that's what part of this is about, affirming what people do already, thinking, oh, good, that's what I do. So, you know, that's great. I'm obviously doing the right thing. And other parts of it is about going, well, we've never tried that before. We've never really thought about it that way before, even though I've been doing this for 25 years. Yeah, and I speak to a lot of clients where I walk in and say, the majority of what I'm going to tell you, you already know. You just haven't been thinking about it. It's not been on the radar. Occasionally, I'll say, right, why don't you just try this, a total fresh approach, and we'll put a plan in place. And it's something that I hadn't even thought about. But I always say about sales, it's not rocket science. It's speaking to people. It's getting people in the door, and it's it's talking to them. We sometimes make it difficult. I've been probably guilty of that in the past, and I was kind of thinking, I can't get this working. And then you go back to basics, and you think, actually, that's all I need to do. I did a presentation to a builder's merchant. But he came to me and said, I want to put kitchens in, but I've got no real clue on how to start. So I've gone and did this presentation about, right, this is how we'll source suppliers. This is how we'll recruit your staff. This is how you'll pay bonus. And this is how we'll do the marketing. And I was about five minutes into it. And he stopped me and he went, Paul, how much am I going to earn years one, two, three, four, and five? 
<laughs> he said, I assume you're going to do the rest of that. He said, I will assume that, that all that is going to happen. But all I want is just tell me what I'm earning out of this. It's as simple as that. We can make things overcomplicated. We can really make things detailed. But at the end of the day, we're selling boxes in a room to, to somebody. It's not difficult, hopefully. We could talk like this all day, Paul, couldn't we? But I think the, the clock's beating us a bit. But there's some great tips in there, some real insight there that I think people can adapt and project onto their own businesses quite easily. Paul, thank you so much. This is a, a subject we can run run with, and we will revisit it again in the future. But for now, thank you so much for your time. No problem. Thanks for having me. Paul De Silva there with some excellent advice and so much of it, it's almost worth listening to it all over again. And don't forget, you can also subscribe to this very podcast by going to a podcast app such as Apple Podcasts or even Spotify and just following us on there. Just search KBB Review or one word. See you next week.